thumbs up to Combat. Thanks to Little Robot Man Voice for introducing us. This is the Advanced After Combat podcast. It's about wargaming, uh, the war games we play, and, and our general experiences while playing them. So that's the start. That is the start. How's everyone doing? Good. I got some uh, Guinness here. Mm. Especially designed to drink straight out of the bottle. So don't mind if I do. With the How's that? Guinness, it's good. No, I mean the kind you drink straight out of the bottle. I know. Oh, they said on the side of the box that it's it's specially designed. So I've always been drinking out of the bottle, so I don't really know the difference. Jason, what are you drinking? I am drinking Southern Comfort and iced tea. Southern Comfort and iced tea. Interesting. Tastes like peach tea. Ah, yeah, I guess it would, wouldn't it? Yep. Marshall, are you drinking Miller Lite or something else? Yes, Miller Lite, and I I only have uh, seven. Uh-oh. So, can, can, not bottle? Yeah, bottles make too much trash. And then I have to take the trash out. Or somebody has to take the trash out. You know what I mean? So I, I've always kind of felt Miller Lite better out of the can. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I might Miller Lite, yes. I might break out the PBR can here in a minute. Uh, of course you would. <laughs> is PBR hipster beer? Have we asked that before? Apparently it is. I, I know that for a fact. I, is that a good beer? No. Yeah, I mean, it's any light American beer. You know, until, the you know ne- what, until the next morning. You know what the worst beer is? Uh, have you guys ever had Milwaukee's Best, The Beast? Oh, yeah. Yeah, back in the day. I once, I once parked my Jeep in Charleston, South Carolina when I was in college. And I had a cooler of beer and no locks on the car. And someone went into my cooler and stole all the beer out of my Jeep and left six cans of Milwaukee's Best. Out of the yeah, they weren't even gonna steal that shit. <laughs> they were like, uh, no it's way. Cheaper to just buy it too. Yeah. <laughs> so that that should that's not a good advertisement for Milwaukee's Best. That's all right. I'm sure you'll be hoarding out plenty of other products and companies here shortly, Dave. So let's get on with it. Just the normal, the usual, usual suspects. The usual two. Oh, come on now. <laughs> well, so do we want to talk about what games we play? Yeah. So what, did I buy anything? Yeah. I have no money. Did you buy something, Jason? Uh, I haven't, well, yeah, I guess I did. I bought, uh, from all of our tactical talking last month and talking about lock and load, I bought Forgotten Heroes, their tactical Vietnam game. Oh, God. <clears throat> I like it. I like it. And then um, I got how's, another... How's the artwork? About, about what you'd expect. Oh. And then I bought... I, I had pre-ordered World <clears throat> War, the Eisenbach Gap Deluxe Edition. Okay. Which, it's pretty. Um, and I think... What's, I, the difference, what's the difference between that and the regular? Uh, just the quality of the components, I, th- I guess. it's The art's the same. Uh, oh. The cover art, but it's like a linen finish. Um, and then I guess it includes a mini expansion or the first expansion, the death of, of the first Panzer. So I think with that, I might end up getting rid of uh, America Conquered. So I don't know that Did I need the, both of them. How are the, the component quality? I know they had a lot of complaints with White Star Rising and, and a lot of complaints with Nuclear Winter 68. For Isenbach Gap? Yes. Uh, it's good. Yeah, the map is pretty. There's no warping or anything. The counters are real nice. Um, I had a small issue with them, and they're getting replaced. But the, Oh, so the component quality wasn't good. No, it's good. It's just a something happened to the counter sheet, and some ink got rubbed off. Um, what? Yeah. Do you spray your counters? 
know it came that way. But no, I don't. So, ah. n- not a complaint. I mean, they're they're taking care of it. But in yeah. in general, they're they're nice. Yeah, that's, that's that doesn't sound very convincing. But I'm not trying to be <laughs> I'm not trying to be argumentative tonight. So. If you just mention that company, like Marshall is like like at the chain, jerking his chain, trying to get <laughs> get at that company. That and 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 it's the only two games I bought this month were from them, and I'm not like a huge. I'm not. I'm no Kev Sharp trying to pimp them out, but those are the those are the two games I got this month. I, I mean, Mark Walker's a nice dude. I met him a couple times at WBC, but the artwork is horrible. <laughs> what, what don't you like about it? It looks like something I slapped together in seventh grade. It's like, like what the fuck? Dude, I mean, give me uh, okay. Well. Th- this is this is how I equate it. <clears throat> so my my mom and her ex husband would go back and forth. They were together and separated all my life kind of more bad times than good times between them. <clears throat> and I finally asked her as an adult, I, she was complaining about it, why Why did you keep going back? And she said, well, the sex was just so good. Oh, my God. <laughs> TMI, Mom. So I think that's what it is with me and Lock and Load. They, they beat me. They don't treat me right. They stay out late, but the sex is good, and I keep coming back. So in your, in your in your metaphor... What is the sex in the game? The, the, the fun, the fun factor is okay. really high. Because I gotta say, looking at the system, uh, the the games they 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 sell, I think World at War is the one I'd be most likely to buy because I like I'm okay with them using the tanks mm-hmm. and I think the art that Marshall's talking about is not necessarily present with World at War like it is in their skirmish tactical game. Yeah, it's not as prevalent. Do you, I, don't, do you also, I don't like the counters where it's one guy walking, or you know, mm-hmm. I just that I want it to look kind of like a squad fighting at tactical level, like Squad Leader has, or like Conflict of Heroes has, or even Panzer oh, Defender, where it's a group. You said last week that the counters were terrible. Last month that the counters were terrible in Squad Leader Day. They are terrible, but I'm saying at least the style of art is something. I like the the for the time they were really good. I think I don't think they're as good now, but I do like the fact that they have uh, like aerial views of tanks and groups of troops fighting. Those are cool. The design's cool. I like the art design. I don't like one guy walking through the, through the woods if they're supposed to be like a whole brigade. It looks weird. I'll send you my America Conquered if you want it. Yeah, I would play it. I'd try it out. What about you, Marshall? I didn't buy nothing. No? No. Not even a shelf? Uh, I bought a bookshelf, but that's, that's, I bought a bookshelf for my advanced squad leader collection. Oh, you already talked That was like that. three months ago. Oh, well then, I didn't buy nothing. <laughs> Everything I want is on pre-order, so. Yeah. I well, I, I, I did see where their GMT is getting ready to, or reprinting and sending, what's that Japan game? I'll let one of you Sakigahara. two fuck up the, yeah, I'll let one of you two fuck up the pronunciation on it, so. That's Sakigahara. Yeah, do you have it? You like it? I, that was actually my first war game I ever played. I don't own it though. No. Oh. I really like it though. It's, I mean, it's a card-driven type game. It's not events. It's just operations. Have you played it, Dave? No, I don't. I don't have anything to do with it. Oh, oh boy, that was. <laughs> no, I mean, not I better fuck problem with I, it. Academy Games put it out. <laughs> you'd be like, look, you need to go get this fucking game. <laughs> <laughs> We've got two copies. 
Yeah, I got two copies. This is... Uh... Hey, I'm not buying that Underground Railroad game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I talked to somebody years ago. I was like, you know what would be cool? An Underground Railroad game. And somebody's yeah. like, oh, you couldn't touch that with a 10-foot stick. Yeah. I'm not saying I came up with that idea. I'm just saying I thought about that years ago. Like, could you make an Underground Railroad game? Apparently wow. they did. I just lost so much respect for you, Marshall. Why? Because maybe you might be responsible for that. I doubt it very seriously. I mean, I talked to somebody about it, so I was like, yeah, I don't know if that would go over real well or not, but I, I don't know. So. We'll see. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's a touchy subject. I well, don't think, don't think it's a war game, right? It's not, I don't think there's much war involved in that one. I don't know that it's touchy. I think everyone thinks, say, the Underground Railroad, everyone's pretty much pro Underground Railroad. <laughs> Right. Yeah, but somebody has somebody has to be the bad guy. Somebody has to be the bad guy in that situation. But, but that's not real con- that's not real like uh uh a very controversial position to be in. Like being anti slavery is not very controversial. Yeah. That's a pretty like, safe is, bet. Is it a co op? Yeah, but I mean who I'm gonna be the slave hunter tonight. I can't wait. <laughs> no, you can't do that. Well that's that is true. I it's, guess if that's how we play it. It's a it's a co op game. You're all, oh, you're all trying to get, you're all trying to make it a, I don't know if it's an efficiency puzzle, I don't know. Yeah, that's like what I used to tell guys when I'd run Civil War miniatures games and they were playing the Confederates. I'd be like, well, the good news is if you win, you win, good job, and if you, if you lose, hey, there's no more slavery. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, I don't know, it's kind of weird. I'm just annoyed because Academy Games production schedule is so backed up. And now they, they, they're pumping up a game for, for Kickstarter that I don't even think is a war game. So it just feels to me like it's going to delay. It seems like their Kills. last, their last three games have been not war games, right? Did, uh, did they put something out between 1776 and 1812? No, they, they did 1812 and then they did, uh, 1775 and they haven't come out with a new one since. Yeah. Probably because they're writing you big old fat endorsement checks. Because Euro gamers love those other ones. Well, it pisses me off because you know I bought Conflict of Heroes when it first came out, but now I'm, I guess my copy's obsolete. No, actually, I played I played Storms of Steel recently, and uh, it's uh, you can you can modify the counters pretty easily to be able to play the new edition. There's not shit you know. If I pay my harder money to get something, I shouldn't have to modify shit, and I shouldn't have to call the company. And get them to send me something because their counters was fucked up. Like Jason was saying, and like I have personal experience with Academy Games. Y'all got me all fired up. <laughs> I think maybe they don't want you playing their games. Like so. They got me all fired up. Got all these, these bad company policies. Have you been playing anything else? I didn't buy. I thought we were on the buying side. I think we're all done. You didn't no. buy anything. Dave didn't buy anything. I bought two things, and they're both lock and load. Oh God! Just hearing that name makes me cringe because of the artwork. I love it. Yeah, eat it up. It's like crab legs. Although I, well, no, yeah, I guess it's been most. What have you been playing, Super Hipster? What have you been playing? A lot, actually. Let's hear all about it. Why get a beer? He doesn't even want to hear it. So still listening. He's listening. So surprisingly, more Conflict of Heroes. More. Oh, good. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> more what fight? uh it was it was it was storm of steel okay number six i think whatever that one's called it was uh the broken down tank that oh you gotta rescue the tiger yeah the 
the Soviets are trying to capture it, and <clears throat> I was I lost. Um, more World at War played more Guns of Gettysburg, and I want to talk about that more later. Um, uh, Dave and I have been playing East Front Two, and I played City of Confusion, which is a desktop publishing game. The publisher's High Flying Dice, and if you've bought anything from like Multi Man, there's those little postcard games in there. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Sure, sure. <clears throat> so the guy who designs a lot of those, his name's Paul Rohrbaugh. High Flying Dice is his company. Um, so he puts out these really crazy little games, um, and he just prints them when you get them. It's almost like a print and play, but he does it all for you. And then he sends you the counters, and then you have to cut them out. So it's kind of, you know, it's a small operation. It's just him. But he's done some pretty interesting games. He did one on the uh, Gaza Missile Crisis called Reign of Missiles that I, I really liked, and it's almost to win you can't play because it's this weird balance between military activity and political activity within the game. Um, so if the Israelis start firing back, that it, it's bad for them almost. It's So he does a lot of stuff like obscure and kind of almost historical exercises of just playing things out as they happened, um, or kind of political statements. So City of Confusion is uh, the battle for Wei during Tet, 1968. Oh, okay. It's an area impulse game, and it uses two decks of regular cards to do the activations. When you say regular cards, like playing cards? Like poker cards, yeah. Which I don't really like that thing anyway. Uh, you, You just provide your own cards. Um, but so it, wor- it works well in Maria and Friedrich. Yeah, but did you have to cut out the pieces, Marshall? No, <laughs> with a pair of scissors. So that part, that part. I don't... <laughs> no, I had to laminate the counters. <laughs> right. This is like this is like a classic. This is one of the most important things that Jason brings to the podcast. Some of the most bizarre yeah. things. <laughs> I, and I don't, I don't have any problem cutting stuff out. I make print and play games all the time. So oh, that, that's not an issue for me. The, yeah, because you're so young, you're so much closer to arts and crafts day. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And scrapbooking and all that shit. You have a glue, yeah. the glue I mean, stick. I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet it's got glitter on it, don't Hell yeah. We can get into it. I'm not going to get into it, though. Anyway, so the game is, like, the, the South Vietnamese player is the Arvin and the U.S., and the North Vietnamese communist player is the Pavin and the NLF. And so, like, black cards are the U.S. and the NLF, and the red cards activate the Pavin and the Arvin. <clears throat> but it's, a, so, and it's an area impulse game, but you're not activating areas, you're activating units. And I played it solitaire, and I think I finally learned my lesson. I think this is the fourth area impulse game I've played solo, and I just don't like it. Um, there's some issues... You know, have you played Area Impulse face-to-face? No. Um, actually, my next face-to-face game is going to be Storm Over Stalingrad. Oh, my God. <clears throat> so, I love that game. Yeah. I mean, six pages of rules. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. But this, there's some real issues with the rules. Um, the way things are laid out are kind of hard to get sometimes. Um, but Did you have to write those yourself? <laughs> well... Actually, now that you mention it, the, and and I like the guy, but I posted a video about the game. And he sends you a crayon and a blank sheet the, of paper. 
the, the designer emailed me and said, hey, you played this wrong, you played this wrong. And I said, well, the rules as written say this. So there's a bunch of errata that's come out since I posted the video and emailed with him saying, this is not right, this is not right. You think that might be because you're the first person to ever play this game? It won, yeah. it won the yeah. Charles Roberts for desktop publishing game. So oh, little, yeah, but geez, somebody's Christ. played I mean, it. Maybe it's just uh, a popularity contest. I don't know. But So some real issues with it. It's an interesting idea, but I just don't think it was fully implemented. And and I just need to stop playing Area Impulse Game Solitaire. So that's my uh, obscure wargaming topic for the for the month. City of Confusion well, by High Flying Dice. Ooh. I don't even, I never even heard of that. Mm-hmm. What, what, while we're talking about obscure shit, <laughs> what is the status of To the Last Man by Tim Taylor and Nuts Publishing? What do you mean what's the status of it? I have it sitting it's, on my shelf right now. I clipped the counters yesterday. How'd I fucking miss it? When did it come out? Uh, I got it probably two or three months ago. Can I buy it right now on any particular online website? Fuck. Um, I don't think any of the ones that we usually talk about sells it. You can buy it directly from the company, but it's not. It's in yeah. It's in euros or. Ah, oh, God! Does the green dot prepaid Montel Williams poor man's Visa card work for that? Yes, but I think it's going to be about a hundred bucks. Are you shitting me? It's, um, well, let's see. What's this game about? Uh, it's World War One. World War One. The artwork's fucking gorgeous, by the oh, way. Oh, is this the one where the cards look like newspaper? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's 65 euros, whatever that is. So I guess that's about $70. And the shipping's free. Nuts, oh, okay. Nuts Publishing, let's give them a shout-out. Yeah. I just like the sound of that. Not in a gay way. <laughs> the gay's cool, too. I'm like fine Pistachios, <laughs> special. Yeah, I'm gonna so, play that pretty soon here. Hey, uh, I was talking to Marshall the other day, and uh, we were talking about uh, landscaping. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned to him that I have like you know a bunch of guys. One of the advantages of Southern California is that it's kind of cheap to hire a bunch of guys to mow your lawn, and and uh, I'm sure they're all documented and they have their they pay their payroll taxes and all that stuff, but. Uh, Marshall mentioned to me that he has an alternative, uh, that he has somebody he could use to, to mow his lawn if he needs to. Do you remember that, Marshall? Is it called a child? No. Not my, my drunk neighbor? Right, so this, that kind of struck a chord with me because I thought to myself, how fucking drunk do you have to be for Mar- Marshall Wilson to look down at you, <laughs> down his nose, and say, that dude is a fucking drunk? <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's a good guy, but that motherfucker will drink anything. I mean, that's we, pretty, that's pretty strong. <laughs> like, I think we, Marshall ever, like, we were at Constant World and I went into a room and Marshall was sitting there and he said, I walk in and he's there and he's like, Dave. I think you've uh, had too much. Yeah, this is an intervention. <laughs> You're drinking too much. I think I would just at that point have to kill myself. <laughs> we, uh, beginning of last year, well, I don't know, it might have been this summer, it might have been last summer, we put in a fire pit in my backyard. So, <clears throat> Todd, my next door neighbor, comes over, and him and I are sitting there supervising drinking beer, okay? So, like, we ended up drinking, like, between four of us, we drank 48 beers in an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. So, we'd come inside to eat, you know, we had fried chicken, french fries, all that shit. So, we're all eating and shit, and I'm like, Todd, do you want some chicken or something? He's like, no, man, I don't want to kill the bugs. (laughs) Nice. I'm like, yeah. 
And then, and then we drank all the beer, and we had like a half a bottle of cheap vodka. He's like, could I please take this home with me? Wow. I was like, yeah. He fell down in the backyard. My wife had to pick him up and carry him home. And I didn't see him for three days. But he does mow my grass for $20. There you go. And four beers. I needed to know. I thought about it later. I was like, I just got to know how drunk this guy actually is. Yeah, he's he's bad. He's really bad. Like, I can work. I work during the day and then drink in the evenings. Like, when I go to work at, like, 530 in the morning, he usually sticks his head out the window and holds up a beer cup or a beer <laughs> bottle and a coffee mug. No, all jokes aside, he's really bad. And he thinks he's a badass. He's, like, five foot nothing and, like, two pounds. He's just, what, but he mows my grass for twenty dollars. Were we talking about to the last man? So you're gonna play this for the next episode or not? Um, probably not, but the one after that. Oh great! Somebody's got to buy something and play something or play something. Well, I did play something. All right, what did you play? I played a victory loss with Marshall. Oh, I gotta get a beer. So hold on a second. You talk about another game you made. Right, I'll talk about another game that Marshall hates. Uh, what? I played Labyrinth. Uh, yeah, I am definitely going. Talk about how pretty the wooden cubes were painted. They are pretty. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I owned Labyrinth for a while because it was one of my drunk purchases one night, and um, I never actually played it because for a while it was hard for me to understand how to play the game because it's not really a, a traditional type war game where you're going to be, uh, you know, attacking things and you have, you know, most war games you can pop it open and you've got movement and uh, and combat and you got to stay in supply and victory points and this game was just very unusual as far as how it's set up had you played twilight struggle no oh. no I, I bought labyrinth straight straight so and you still haven't played twilight struggle no interesting so i uh you know i kind of was a little bit of a struggle because i kept on having to you know when i'm trying to play it solo i try to solo it and i kept on having to go back and be like what are my victory conditions again like mm-hmm. Yeah. How do I win this game? So it wasn't clear to me when I was playing how I won it, but uh, I did play it with a friend of mine uh, over the weekend, and we had a good time. It was actually fun once we kind of learned how to how to work the game. Mm-hmm. Generally, I don't know. I'm probably late late to the party on Labyrinth, but generally the U.S. is trying to either kill all the terrorist cells or improve the governments of the Muslim countries. Mm-hmm. And the jihadists are trying to either set off a WMD in uh, in the U.S. or that's all I ever try to do is jihadists or reduce the governance of the Muslim countries. So it was cool, but I mean, like a lot of these card-driven games, if you don't have all the, if you haven't read all the cards, you don't really know how to play the game because there's always one surprise card that's going to come up that's going to totally screw you. Like at one point, my buddy Greg uh, decided he wanted to be soft instead of hard, so he did that reassessment. It costs like three, like a lot of ops, very expensive, and he switched the U.S. to soft. And then I had this uh, Axis of Evil card, so I just played it, and Bush made his speech about the Axis of Evil, and then America <laughs> went back right away. So he was like, well, shit, I just wasted like two cards on that thing. Yeah. So if you don't know all the cards and how they set up, it's, it can be kind of difficult. And generally in the game, just my impressions, uh, obviously if the, the governments are bad, they're easy. It's easier for the terrorists to do stuff in them. And if the governments are good, then it's harder for the terrorists to do stuff in them. So some cards, until you play it a while, don't become clear. Like I had one card that made like Lebanon a poor neutral, and I was like, well, who cares about Lebanon? It's the middle of like 
But then I realized that if it's a core neutral, I can move there more easily. Right. And then from there, I can get into Europe. Yeah. Because <clears throat> as they're poor, it's easier for you to do things and harder for the U.S. Yeah, so is it a war game? It's, it's not a war game, and I'll tell you why after I sip this beer real quick. I disagree. It's, uh, in, my, in my way of thinking, a war game is a game where combat is your primary means of achieving your objectives. And in this game, combat is not the primary means. And a lot of it's like, you know, there's a war of ideas, but, but that's not a war. But in war, the, the whole idea behind war is politics. Oh, I agree it's a game. And it's a political <laughs> I agree it's a game. No, I, I mean, in, in real life, everything behind war is political. So doesn't it make sense to have some, or have politics be a focus of, of the war game. Oh, this is a so, fascinating so, discussion, believe it or not. So do you think, like, uh, one of those U.S. election games is a war game? No, because that's... That's all politics. Right, but that's different. Politics aren't like war, but they're like... election game. You know, like, what are those games? Like Campaign Manager in 1960. Oh, that's a good... 1960's a good game. Right. It's not a war game. Right. It's so a good I game, think, though. I think in Labyrinth, there is war, there's fighting, but it's not a big part of the game. I mean, like, uh, yeah, you can disrupt. In fact, it, it took me like an hour so into the, the is, rules to is figure the, out how to Is the quote-unquote war on terror not a war? Because the, well, the if, focus of that is political. It's There's not a ton of maneuvering and... Wait, wait, Dave. Jason's making a good point. Has this... W- has this evolved into a war game to reflect the current state of how war is waged? Well, yeah, there's a war on illiteracy, too, and that wouldn't be a war. <laughs> it's war on drugs. You know what I mean? Right, like, Nancy. Yeah, I, I just think that there's the combat part of it is is kind of have, takes a back seat to the political engine of the game. Yep, but Jason makes a good point, and I hate to speak for Jason, but you could not map out a current war the way war is now waged. Correct or incorrect? I say well, I, mean, I say correct, but you're you're speaking for me. It depends on Marshall. What you scale. can speak for me anytime. Thanks. It depends on what scale you're talking about. I mean, you could right on a tactical level. No, obviously. Right. See, I just, I just. I just feel like, you know, you could, I think you could play a labyrinth and never fight a battle. Mm-hmm. Never disrupt a unit, never do a regime change. And that's not a war game. And that's why we're the best fucking war game podcast out there. That's right. Because we ask the hard hitting serious questions. <laughs> in depth conversations. I know, that's, it really is. Now, that's got me wondering, Jason's line argument does have me wondering, we don't have traditional war anymore, ergo, we don't have traditional war games anymore. Yeah, they well, all seem to be great. Look at Next War Korea. That's a war game. About a fictional war. Yeah, but it's set in the present. Exactly. We haven't had a war with Korea since 53. Well, I mean, there's gotta be, I mean, whether it's, whether it's set in the future or set in the present, it's still a war game. Oh, I see. You're saying like something current? Something genuine. Are there Not games like Basra? Has anybody done a war game on any of the Gulf War? The actual fighting? The 
Which one? Since it happened, I know like NATO, NATO came out before the Gulf War, I think. Which, which Gulf War? The first one? The one Dave was in or the one I was in? You guys were in wars? Oh, I wasn't in a war. You weren't there? Oh, I thought oh. you were. Oh, I thought you were there. I was. I, I was lucky to miss Somalia. <laughs> that happened on my 18th birthday, by the way. 18th or 19th. I can't remember. October 3rd. That's my birthday. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I wasn't in a war, but when I was stationed mm. at Fort Knox, I did drop an ironing board on my big toe while I was ironing my new <laughs> Awesome. And they had to remove my toenail. I'm 5% disabled. Uh-oh. So, you know. You only got 95% to go. I did. I got 10. I'm at, I'm at 10%. Well, uh, this is what happened. I was living in my grandma's basement with a go nowhere future, which I still got, basically. And, uh, my dad said, hey, come on, boy, we're going to the recruiter's office. And I was going to join the Air Force. And, but the Air Force guy, recruiter, was sick that day. And so the Marine guy's like, you need to be a Marine, although you're a little pudgy. <laughs> All right. So I was like, you need to get a fucking life. So I just kept my job at the pizza joint delivering pizzas. You probably but if the, but the Air Force guy would have been there that day, I'd have been like an American hero. See, there you go, kids. Join the military. That's right. Don't be like Marshall. Don't be, don't be like me. <laughs> so, okay, so, so real quick with Labyrinth. The, the, I like the game. I actually really enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Uh, the components are great. I did like the mounted map board. I like the big glossy counters. I, uh, I do think as you play, it's tough to kind of have a strategy because you kind of yeah. have to make a strategy each time you get your card hand. Because mm-hmm. you never really know where your cards are going to take you. And it was kind of cool. We felt like as we were playing, uh, the game did a, a service, a real service to the uh, credit to the, the challenges that are facing uh, the leaders in modern times. Because it wasn't just like, oh, we're going to invade Afghanistan and just kill all the mm-hmm. and then we right. win. You know, that's not really an option necessarily. And in our particular game, uh, I actually had guys go to Indonesia, and I did a regime change in a, or a, whatever, an Islamist revolution, a jihad, major jihad, in Indonesia. And Indonesia turned Islamist while my... My opponent was concentrating on trying to keep Pakistan right. slipping away. And then Indonesia's he did adjacent a, to the United he, States, right? Yeah, he did a regime change in Indonesia. So he actually invaded Indonesia instead of Afghanistan. Have, Indo- you pl- have you played Twilight Struggle? No. Okay, so you can't compare and contrast. Mm-hmm. This is the first one. I th- if, if you like Labyrinth, you might like Twilight Struggle. There's n- There's no... Board movement. There's no maneuvering. Um, are there limited amount there is. Are there troops? No, no, no. It's just it's just influence. Political. Political. I'm not playing. Yeah. I'm not playing. Yeah. yeah, it it plays pretty similarly. It's a lot simpler. I I really like Labyrinth though. I mean, it's for what it is, for what it's trying to do. Although I will say that uh, the designer likes to say how neutral the game is, but it it's really not. I mean, with the Western. Governance being "quote unquote" good and Islamist government being "quote unquote" bad. Sure, it's, it's not as neutral as he likes to make out. But right. he it, designed, as, a, as a game, it's really he cool. designed something else, correct? Uh, he did Wilderness War and he did Andy and Abyss. Oh, I haven't played Andy. Anybody played Andy and Abyss? Ah, uh, yep. Oh, I'm playing that right now too. I'm vassal. Yeah, so I thought it was a good game. I liked it. We thought it was fun. We thought it was actually it felt like we were faced. With a lot of the same struggles and tough decisions that uh, that 
that you know that these guys had to make. It was kind of cool that I could be the jihadist. I didn't have to live in a cave. I could just mm-hmm. be computer <laughs> behind my computer and make all the decisions they made. But uh, I, I, I think it's a really smart game. It was fun. It was good. I'm glad you liked it. Not a war game. Really fun. Just enough of a war game for me to like it. Yeah, enough for you to play it. For me to call it a war game. What else have you been playing? I played uh, East Front 2. I played East Front 2 with uh, Jason and Braxton from the And Hill. Jason, yeah. So uh, Jason, our podcast host, uh, as opposed to Jason, who's now named Braxton forever. Yeah. So. We changed his name to Braxton Bragg, whether he likes it or not. <laughs> I think he likes it. He seems <laughs> and he's been a great sport about it. I mean, I'm he, playing him. I'm like, all right, Braxton, it's your turn. It's like, actually, it's not the guy's name, but he's he's fine. He's yeah. Justin. So uh, the the game with Jason's been good. Braxton's, I'm actually in Moscow, but it's late, and I have one one strength armor unit there. So I don't know if I'm going to pull that one off because I kind of pushed hard. Jason, how do you think the uh, our current game is going? Uh, in your favor, for sure. Okay. It's going well. It's kind of a class. I think I'm running a kind of a classic uh, southern push. So uh, I was able to kind of blast Jason on the front line, and then the Panzers just took off. So they managed. Yeah, I don't know that I like that opening setup. Is that is that what we played too the first time? That's historical. That's the historical yeah. deployment. Yeah. They, they do have an alternate where you can kind of move guys around, but that's what Stalin wanted. So Yeah, because me just having one in each border hex, you can just kind of pummel through. But I guess then me rebuilding is a lot cheaper, so I just need to play the long game, whereas you're trying to right. blitz in. What? So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how it plays out. The, the key with that game is the Germans need to have an almost perfect offense in 41. And if they don't, it's going to be a long fight for them. So... Little small setbacks can really screw the Germans. And, you know, I am getting pushed to where I have armored units that are further out than I'd like them to be, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. But I really I like, like the game. I think it's a lot of fun. I, I hope Jason's enjoying playing. Uh, I am. I mean, yeah, every turn I'm biting my fingernails and trying to figure out what I need to do. So I always like that. And then I played uh, Conflict of Heroes, Storms of Steel, with uh, one of, of my face partner. Of, of course you did! Yeah, because it's a great game, Marshall. It's really fun. <laughs> so uh, he wanted a big game, so we put uh, two scenarios together to fight the Battle of Lukti. And uh, I got to say, Ken was much smarter than me. One one side was a village that was an infantry fight, and on the other side it was the uh, German Panzers trying to kind of flank the village. And Ken's a much better city fighter than me. I mean, he really did a good job maneuvering these guys. But I managed to uh, with the German Panzers, I had two tank groups. And I managed to get the Germans pinned between the two tank groups so that I was getting flanking shots. Like, whichever way he'd face, somebody else was able to flank him. So uh, nice. I ended up blasting the crap out of those guys, and I won that one. But it was it was good. It was fun. Does Ken listen? Um, I don't think so. I don't know if he does. Ben's, uh, I haven't really brought up the podcast. Too he's, he's a war game personality. He is. I don't know if he wants to be outed. Yeah, oh, that's, that's fair. <laughs> But yeah, he's out there. Uh, whatever. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a. I, I've talked about him before. He's a very sharp guy. He gets. Right. Yeah, he seems like a pretty cool guy. Yeah, so he's a pretty good opponent. So good war game. Speaking of people listening, the guy with the the bluegrass skull and crossbones what? Who posted in the guild. Bluegrass. The guy. Yeah. It's a skull. It's a skull with banjos behind it. Okay. That that's my face to face opponent. Okay. Yeah. Rob, check that out. Is he cool or is he a jackass? 
Oh, he's cool. He's he's actually so well. He is a bit of a jackass. He gives me a hard time every time he can because we started playing Euros together, and he was like, "Oh, I have uh, these war games that I'd like to play, and you seem pretty sharp. We should play." Oh, I don't want to play war games. I don't want to play war games. That was me. And then we played Sakigahara, and then the week after that we played Washington's War, and then I don't think I've bought a Euro game since. Do you like? Did you so, like Washington's War? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Have you played We the People? Or is it for the I people? I have not. Or is it for the people? What's one? We, we the people. I got that game. I think those are two different <laughs> games. Uh, we the people and Washington's War are almost the same game. And for the people is a separate game. Yeah, that's a Civil War, like, six-hour hog game. Yeah. yeah. I've got it. I've never played it. All right, so, so Marshall and I played a victory lost. Oh, we finished our game. Wait a minute. We finished. Did we talk about finishing our game of... Uh, yeah, we talked about that already. Did I, surrender? Yeah. Do we talk about the fact that I won? Can we say yeah, that? Yeah, I know you won, so you want to bring it up, bring it up every podcast? <laughs> I couldn't remember if I won or not. I was just checking. No, we, we, Marshall and I played a victory lost, and he started right. off, he basically started off with, well, we gotta need, we gotta get a calculator. And then in the end, it was just me doing the math for both of us every time. So, we never did have a calculator. And, well, uh, we had you, and we yeah, had you as figure it out. <laughs> it wasn't that hard. There wasn't that much math. Uh, and I, we only played, I've only played the Vassal version. I've heard complaints about, um, the components. What? Yeah, like. Just cause they're, the hexes are so small. People don't, and people don't like the fact that the charts are all on the map. Instead of, yeah. I guess they didn't hand out sheets to people. So you let gotta me, move around. Let me talk about that. Alright. Alright. You get, what boils down to eight or twelve pages of rules, the rules are very picture heavy, so, so they're, I think the rules are twelve pages, but basically I'd say with, take all the pictures out, it's eight pages of rules. But so much information is on the map itself. Mm. So the rules, but I'm not complaining about it, I'm just saying the rules might say, uh, consult map for terrain conditions. Right. Right? Well, it's a lot harder in Vassal to, you know, because you're, you're trying to focus on the battle. You obviously can't fit the whole map. Oh, I see what you're saying. On the page. So, so like, it's, it's harder. Now, playing it live in person, it's a bitch, a bitch to set up. And the, I've played this game 10, 12 times live in person. And if you're playing with somebody slow, Especially as the Russians, you might as well pack your lunch. But I think it's a great game. I, I believe Dave at one point said it was too simple, maybe. No, I, I'm actually okay with the game. I think, uh, I think it's great for Vassal. I think it's probably a game that's better on Vassal than, than in person. Because you can keep track of who's moved. Because it's easy, I think, if you're playing the game, to move a headquarters and then forget that you moved another guy near him and he, you might move him again. Vassal keeps track of all that stuff for you. And Vassal also has the terrain and combat charts that you can click and pull down. Uh, I, I, I think the combat, it's a hex encounter chip pull. Uh, it's kind of cool that you pick the chits ahead of time for the game, and those are the chits you're going to use. So you aren't necessarily going to get it to activate all your headquarters because you might not select those chits. I like how the combat works. It's a very simple 1D6 uh, CRT system. 
Uh, the step losses are retreats, and if you retreat through a zone of control, you lose a step. There's, uh, it, it's just, it, and they, they do some cool things like armor. Like an infantry unit might be a 4-2, but an armor unit might be a 10-3-6. So you're encouraged to use the 10 as its offensive attacking ability. The 3 is the armored unit's defensive ability. So you're encouraged to use the armor for attacks and not keep them in the lines. You want them in reserve. So I thought that was a really neat neat thing that they did with the game. The the stupidest role in the entire game is the rail reinforcement. Why? If if I don't block a rail line with a zone of control, Marshall can take a reinforcement and rail it all the way across the, mm-hmm. through my lines and then stick it in one of my victory cities. <coughs> Or supply points, which I have done to win that game before. Yeah, which makes no sense. That, that like, how would the Germans do that? Like, the Germans can do the same thing. How would the Germans possibly do that? With what do you have? Like a an yeah. armored train that rides through with a whole tank division on it, and the German, the Russians are like, "Wow, oh man, if we'd only been over a mile, we could have stopped that train." Especially considering the gauge differences between the (laughs) Russian rail spacing and the German rail spacing historically as it was. I think it's a great game. It's a great game. One thing, you pull chits to activate headquarters in that game. One thing Dave didn't mention, the Russian player draws a chit called the Stavka chit, which which activates every single Russian headquarter. Where, like, the Germans, and traditionally, usually in that game, the Russians have to, you get to pick a certain amount of headquarters. Like, you may, you may have seven headquarters on the board, but you may be able to pick four. But the Stavka chit activates every single headquarters, which right. is a huge thing face to face. I mean, you really have to have your shit together. And, and Dave never playing it in person may notice what I have learned from playing it in person. I always go north to south because mm-hmm. it's if you don't go, you know, you just cannot helter skelter that shit. Yeah, and but with Vassal, you don't have to worry about it. Right, Vassal, you don't have to worry about it because they it marks it for you. But in person, I play north to south, so I say we're starting a battle in hex, whatever E sixty six or whatever, and I always start at my very northern headquarters. This this case, I'm their game we're playing. I'm the Russians, Dave's the Germans, right. and and you almost have to use north to south. I guess we should mention this happens right at the end of Stalingrad. Right, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Basically, this is uh the Soviet counterattack after Stalingrad. Manstein's yeah. black hand blow, basically. Right. And uh, you know, so the Germans get Manstein shits later, which are basically like wild card shits that they can use for any headquarters. So that's kind of a cool way to reflect him coming in and, and directing the German counterattack to the counterattack. And, uh, yeah, it's a good game. I would say, uh, honestly, I haven't seen the physical components, so I'm just going to base the game off my impressions. Uh, I would say fun-wise, 1 to 10. I give it like a 7. seven. I thought it was fun. I think uh, complexity, it's not complex. So I'd say it's about 9 beers, 9 or 10 beers. I mean, the only modifiers are, like, column shifts for cities and rough, and, like, uh, you're halved if you attack across a river. So the fighting's pretty quick and, and ferocious. It's a, Is it easy to tell who, which headquarters 
is activated by the chit. Because I haven't played a victory yes. loss. I've played a vic- victory Oh denied. my god, that's a monster. Well, that's no. a monster, but I've seen the map set up before, and it's fucking huge. But the the colors on the activation chits don't don't correspond to the the uh, colors on the headquarters. Well, Jason, uh, Vassal automatically does it for you. So when you pull the chit, it activates everybody. And it shows, you know, your headquarters have a range in hexes. Of course, there's terrain modifiers and all, but Vassal shows, but, like, okay, this headquarter, you activate this headquarter, and it shows every unit, whether it's associated with that headquarter or not, and there's some rules about that, which headquarters are activated. I think it's a great game. It's a sin it's out of print. I hope it stays that way. And... um. It's a great game. It's a great introductory game. I think it's a great game. I'm a lot more in love with it, I think, than Dave is. No, no, I don't, I don't think that's true. I, but I, the one thing I, I learned from uh, playing that game is I realized I don't have any good, like, introductory war games. Like, it's a great war game. If you have somebody, you want to show them how a war game starts, it's fun. I mean, I like playing it. Um and you know, it was, I've never played it before, but of course, when Marshall tells you, hey, let's play this game, I'll teach you the rules, it basically means I have to read the rules and then teach Marshall the rules as we're playing. So. I've played it like 12 times, 10 or 12 times, face to face. Right, and you, you remembered like three rules from the game. Speaking of which, we still haven't played, uh, Hammer of the Scots. No, we have Ooh. not. I'm ready for that. I played that on Vassal, I played that blindfolded, and I'm ready for that shit. Need to set that up. But that's been, but but that game, I love that game. I, I, I simplistic as it is, you know, it, to me, the Russian campaign and that game, God, I just love them both. Marshall wanted me to hate this game. You that's wanted not, to hate it. I don't think that's true. I liked it. You're talking like I hate it. I think it's a fun game. You gave it. Dave's two for two. You gave it a seven. Yeah, it's a seven. I think it's a seven. It's a good. That's a good. Oh, game. that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. What do you give Conflict of Heroes? Who, me? Oh, oh yeah. I think I already rated Conflict of Heroes. He's, an 11? He's on the payroll. You know that shit's getting fucking... Well, <laughs> it's an eight and a half. <laughs> well, I like... Although you did... Marshall was just waiting for me not to like this game. I'm no, like, I didn't say that. I don't think I can lose this game, by the way. I've revisited the map since our last play, which was Friday... I don't see me. I don't see Marshall unless something fucked up happens. I think I'm going to be two and zero versus Dave on Vassal. If if you do that real if you do that real reinforcement rule, I'm going to flip the board over on you in Vassal. I'm just letting you know. That's one where if a guy did that rule to me, I would flip that board right over right on the table. I've done that in I've done that in live situations, and it doesn't go over real well. <laughs> I would go, I'd flip it and go to the bar. <laughs> I remember playing as Germans one time, um, and, uh, Mike, one of our guild member, Mike, was the, uh, Russians, and I just fucking opened up the hole in the center where the Italians are, and it's kind of weak, and just rail lined <laughs> rail lined Germans right to the Russian supplies. That is the stupidest thing. <laughs> Which put everybody out of supply. Oh, and they were really fun. And then, like, there was no way you could win. Which is not a fair way to win a game, but I played within the rules. Yeah, all right. There you go. 
So those are the games we've played. Marshall, you played any other war games? That's it. Uh, no, I played some Euros, but you don't hear about that. Sure. Moving on. Okay. Oh, I've got so I've got some news. Alright. There's a new war game book out. Well, not new, it was last year. Simulating War, Studying Conflict Through Simulation Games by Philip Sabin, mm-hmm. March 2012. Is it Sabin or Sabin? Well, you want to be, what, who's, who's the star of this podcast? I'm just asking. Jason, you're not the star of this podcast, Dave is. Dave, call Jason out. No, I, I'm just asking. We're, we're a triumvirate. I would say Sabin. I'm just wondering. That's because you're talking about books, I'm going to go get a beer. Do we want to take a break? Do you want to take a break to get a beer? Or no, no, no go for we'll it. Talk. Do you have any wargaming books? I don't, and I've looked at getting that book, but it's pretty. Ex- well, I guess it's not terribly expensive. It's but twenty six, twenty five bucks. Yeah, thirty one. I have the Art of Wargaming by Hold on, I'm gonna elaborate. Peter P. Perella, which I've never read. And then I have the, uh, who's the guy that wrote the classic book on wargaming? I have that. James, James Dunnigan? Yes, I have James Dunnigan's book about wargaming, which is a fabulous book. I just read the same chapter over and over again. I don't follow I don't any of it, but do you have that? <laughs> no, I, I don't have any. I need to get that one. Though. I could be mistaken, but as far as I know, there's only three books on wargaming. And you've read one of them? Do you have the Sabin book or Sabin book? Sabin book. We'll call it saving. We'll, well, I'll acquiesce to you. No, I'm, right. I'm probably going to get it though. Yeah, it looks, it looks good. Um, gaming books, well, especially war gaming books are few and far between. So, uh, yeah, for sure. One of our friends, Samer, Samer Albden, mm-hmm. guild member, Facebook friend, he has, uh, recommended this book or wants to read this book on Goodreads. So I thought I'd throw that out there. Uh, one of our other fans, Doc Mabuse. Wanted some love in this episode, so I figured we'd give him some love. Somebody from our guild joined us the other day. Was it Braxton? No. Who? Was it the other guy, Lucas? Who joined us the other day, Dave? Jeez, we got a bunch of new members. No, I think he meant, he means on your, on your play. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Braxton. No, actually, uh, Marshall's, Marshall's talked to Lucas and Braxton, I think. Yeah, but we had somebody else join us the other day because we, I friended him on Facebook and then stalked him. That's Braxton. That's Braxton? That's Braxton. His, yeah. And uh, one of our fans, Jeff White, is saying that he doesn't need a name drop on our show, but how about a review of Columbia's Napoleon, the Waterloo Campaign, 4th edition? Did anybody get that? No, because it was like $80 on Kickstarter. <laughs> I know. Okay. I love their games, but man, I don't have an extra $80 for them right now. Hey, Marshall, did you, did you see Nettie at the mall? Yes! Wait a minute! Yes, I'm getting all kinds of Facebook stuff, but I will. I, can I tell my Nettie story? Yes. Let's let's focus on the podcast. No, no. So so basically, background. Uh, I am obsessed with big fat gypsy wedding, and uh, Nettie is like a major gypsy person. She happens to live in Marshall's area. Wait, 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 wait. What? We can't talk about Euro games, but you're going to talk about my big fat gypsy wedding. Dude, this is Nettie. I'm a Nettie right. lady. Right. Or Nettie, Nettie right? I'm, oh, wait a minute. I, I'm I'm leaving. I'll be back. Okay. So. Uh, Wait a minute. Dan Verson from Dan Verson Games asked us to mention the cards of Cthulhu. Whatever. Hey, back to Betty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't. Was she all blinged out? You know she's blinged out. She had uh, black exercise pants on. Wow. She was pushing a baby stroller. 
and uh, I I couldn't find my copy of Blade Runner downstairs. Okay, and I'm like devastated because I have to have this. I ha- I haven't seen Blade Runner in a year, so I gotta get my. I don't know where my copy of Blade Runner is. So we go to the mall to FYE so I can get a copy of Blade Runner. Okay. So uh, I got my wife some of those Living Dead dolls. I get Blade Runner. I bitch the chick out at the counter because she touched the my wife's Living Dead dolls wrong. Like she put her thumb on the plastic. You know that upsets me. Okay. So I'm all fired up about that. We go to Hot Topic, look for Super Davio, a new video game shirt. They didn't have anything. And we're walking out of the mall, and here comes Nettie, uh, Nettie Stanley pushing a fucking baby carriage. Wow. Okay? okay. And I'm like, holy shit, that's did fucking you ask, Did you ask for her autograph? No. I'm like, oh my god, it's Nettie Stanley. I don't know what to do, right? Right. You know, I mean, she's, she's, even though that thing's dropped nine kids, I still like to fuck, take the Pepsi challenge on that. Okay? Oh, yeah. So I turn around and my wife and I are talking. I'm like, that's fucking Nettie Stanley. And she's got black skin tight exercise pants on and her ass is jiggling. And my wife's like, oh, you should go talk to her and see if she'll take a picture with you. You can put it on Facebook. But, or get your ass kicked. You never know how that's going to go. Or, or her husband wouldn't come and resurface your driveway. I don't do that shit anyway. I heard that's a scam. Oh, well, yeah, of course it is. That's why they do it. So I was so focused on Nettie, I don't know if she was with Millie. I don't know who she was with. You understand what I'm saying? Oh yeah. But I was like, I just looked at her, looked at her ass. <laughs> In those black spandex workout pants that she was walking away from me. With my copy of Blade Runner and some new Living Dead dolls. Wow. So she would have probably looked at you and been like, this guy's really cool because he's got a copy of Blade Runner. Yeah, she'd looked at the hair and she'd have been like, this is the kind of guy right here. I mean, he ain't out busting his balls all day fucking ripping people off for paving projects. I mean, this is a real, this is a real stud right here. That's right. probably what I... And, and you weren't wearing like a Star Trek shirt or anything, so... Uh, uh probably had like a Slayer shirt or something. Well, I know we're not <laughs> talking about our musical taste, but I probably had a Slayer shirt on. Uh-oh, I'm getting the old evil eye. We're talking about seeing Nettie Stanley at the mall. We should be talking about war games. We can't talk about books. What? We can't talk about movies, but we can talk about. No, no, that's okay. Oh, I gotta get a flipping dippy egg. Hold on, I gotta get a flipping. Oh, Charles Cabell would like us to talk about historical war games, Facebook or Vassal War Gamers. Everybody should join those groups. And Dan Burson wants somebody to talk about Cards of Cthulhu. Don't stop. Yeah, send us a review copy. It's a. Oh yes, and it's that's what I'll tell you right now. Send us. Yeah, why don't you start typing it and stop talking about it? <laughs> As we hear him click clack. Okay, so uh so those are games played? Any other games? <laughs> I guess. Alright. Uh Jason, you got any I have, I have a couple reviews, but Jason, I didn't know if you had stuff you want to talk about while Marshall's typing. Yeah, why don't you go into one of your one of your reviews? I'm sure it's about an Academy Games product. It is it actually is. it's about striking. Hold on, I gotta go flip a dippy egg and Okay. Dippy egg. Strike of the Eagle. What is he talking about? Just ignore him. Strike of the Eagle by Academy Games. It's a block game. Uh, it's uh, about the 1919 to 1920 war between the Poles and the Russians. 
if you don't know about that, I didn't know anything about it either, but apparently they fought a war, so. <laughs> they, the Russians did that. The components are great. It's a block game. It's, uh, it's kind of like a point to point game. So it's not hexes, but you move, uh, from area to area. Okay. The, uh, it's diceless. Oh, I like it. So basically you're, you're dealt a certain number of cards each round, and you can play those cards either to cause like events, or give yourself more orders, or, uh, or affect a battle. Cards can affect a battle. But you can also use a card from your hand to affect a particular combat. So basically a lot of games have used this system where you, you have a certain number of, of points in the combat, you're going to do a certain number of damage, and it's supplemented by a draw off the top of the deck. Each mm-hmm. card has like a combat number and adds that number to your number of steps to increase the casualties. So if you, if you want to risk it, you can pull a card off the deck and hope that it's a high combat card, and then you just discard it afterwards. Or you can play one of the cards from your hand, and it actually counts as one higher than the combat number on the card from your hand. So if you really want to win a particular combat, um, you have the option to, to play one of your, your, your cards in your hand, which are obviously an expendable resource that you want to keep, but you can choose that and get a bonus and know how well the combat's going to go. So... Uh, it's interesting. I like the diceless aspect. It uses uh, hidden orders, so you've got a certain number of orders that you can place on your units, and the orders are like forced marches or recons or moves or withdraws or like fortifies or rail transport. The the one thing I'll say about the game is th- there's a lot of fog of war because there's blocks for combat units, and then you have these order chips that you pull that put down, I guess, on top of your blocks. Uh, and, you know, your orders can be, like, move to this area or move from this area. So, you know what I'm saying, Jason? Mm-hmm. It's very easy as you're doing your strategy to forget what all your orders are because they're all hidden. So you're constantly checking uh-huh. to see. I, I would have almost liked it better if they'd done, like, small blocks that had your orders mm-hmm. so you could see them as you look. Because when you're doing, like, a north and south southern front game, you know, you put all these orders up, and then you're like, oh, man, I don't remember. What was that order? What was I mm-hmm. constantly checking? And then your opponent has orders, so you might have a move from order on your guy, and then he puts a recon order on top of that. So, you know, you got to – with the block game, you have a limited amount of space for the blocks, and then you have order chip. Yeah, especially point-to-point. Point. Yeah, so it's 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 actually – I think it would be much better vassal because you could look at your orders. You know, you don't have to worry about balancing an order chip or putting it next to a guy. There are leaders that are like uh, blocks also, and they're kind of cool because they can do different um, special abilities to give you extra orders or, or things like that. Stalin is like a leader in the game, which is kind of cool. And so uh, – well. The the problem I've had in the past with point to point block games is room. Um, <laughs> yeah, it looks to be an issue. I mean, I love Hammer of the Scots, as I've said before. I like is it Richard the Third. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's good as Hammer of the Scots. I like it, but the uh, the third Jerry Taylor design, the one in the middle, um, helped Julius Caesar. No, no, he didn't design that. That's for Fucking kindergartners, Julie Caesar. Uh, the one about the Crusades. Oh, Crusader Rex. Crusader Rex, it's point to point, 
and you got all these blocks on a point face to face, it's like, Jesus Christ, there's not enough room for anything in here. Yeah, and this game, it's made worse because you can have like eight, seven or eight blocks from each side come into a fight. And then you've got chits, order chits on top of them. And, uh, so it, it gets to be a little bit much. We, I played it again with my buddy Greg. We had a great time. It's a lot of fun. Uh, there's, there's, uh, some aspect of how the orders get resolved. So say you want your guys to do a forced march. They move further and they move before the enemy, but they're reduced in strength. So like you might force march your guys to an objective to get there first and be the defender. And then he moves there and he has to attack you. So, you know, there is kind of a neat aspect that way, uh, where you can push your troops harder with a force march, but they don't fight as effectively. But I think it's a great game. The board's mounted. It, it looks gorgeous. The cards are nice. They all, they, the flavor's there. I mean, I have no idea if the flavor's accurate. I don't know Pilsudski or like whether the Poles were happy at this point or angry or the, there's a lot of parts where if you gain a certain area and then you, you go into peace treaties with a card, you get extra victory points. So it's cool. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I'd recommend it. Uh, like I said, I think it's maybe a little easier to play in Vassal. As far as fun, I would give it about a seven. And uh, as far as complexity, I'd say maybe it's like five or six beers. I don't think it's that hard. But, so that's Strike of Evil. So compared to some of the Columbia games, do you, do you like the diceless block game better than um, than the Columbia system? I don't think I do actually. I like yeah, the yeah. it doesn't seem like it. I like the doubt that like each one yeah. puts in my mind as to whether should I throw in this extra airstrike because I never know how the dice are going to turn out. There's, there's, and, and you can reduce, basically you can reduce the other guy's strength points by flanking him or doing stuff like that. But it's a good game. I mean, I think it's yeah. fun. It's I mean, not, if you get it through NWS, it's not that expensive. No, of course it's fucking not. They're like giving that shit away. They're sending it to your house and it's sending you a check for a thousand fucking dollars. You're just mad, Marshall, because you emailed the guy and said, hey, we like your system. He goes, that's nice. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Let me let me tell you, I've said this before, but I, it's worth mentioning again. The problem with Columbia Games. Have you ever seen the Brady Bunch movie? Sure. <laughs> Where Mike Brady designs his house for a gas station, for a grocery store, for a fucking convenience yeah. store, for whatever, a shopping mall. It's the same fucking thing. It's always the same. Whether you're playing Julius Caesar, whether you're playing Hammer the Scotch, which I think is their best game, whether you're playing Napoleonics, I haven't played East Front, Euro Front, and West Front, which, which I want to get, but who can afford that? I, I mean, it, it, they're different. How, how are they fucking different? They're not fucking different. No, they're, they're, they're different because uh, because those the is different. I'm sorry, Marshall, did you ask me a question? Because I was going to answer a question. Uh, yes, I'm sorry, I'll shut up. <laughs> or, the, those games are kind of like, aren't they like an A3, B2, C4 type of game? Yes. Well, East Front doesn't have any of that. Yeah, the, the Front games are different than the other ones, but Hammer of the Scots and Rich of the Third are very, very similar. No, I agree with that. They're from the same but yeah, East. I mean, I understand that. Right. But I mean, Julius Caesar was yeah, was same system. Very, I mean, it's like 
Uh, and then I got slap shot, which we can't talk about, but that's, no, that's no. terrible. But you know what I mean? It's like, give me something, throw me a bone. So have you looked at their pre-order page? No, because unless Jerry, so they have, they have victory in Europe, which looks to be, looks to be almost like a front game. There's Cromwell, which is the English civil war. I don't, I don't know anything about it. Who designed that? Uh, Scott Moore. I don't know. No, no, no. Anthony, and, Anthony and Cleopatra is Julius Caesar. There's another squad level World War II one. Hammer of the Irish, which is, uh, just Irish Hammer of the Scots. Who designed that? Uh, Jerry Taylor. Well, I'll buy that. And then Antietam, uh, and Macbeth, which is the same, but it's Macbeth instead of Hammer of the Scots. And then Antietam, which is the Shiloh system. And Shiloh, I think, the Civil War games are more similar to, like, East Front. But the, yeah, I mean, I, I I agree, I guess is what I'm trying I to mean, say. I mean, I'll buy Antietam because I live 10 minutes away from Antietam. You see what I'm saying? Is that near the Pekin Chinese restaurant? Yes, it is. It's right beside of it. For the bottle? near there? Okay. Yeah, smartass. So, we went to the... And my wife didn't get that, but I got it immediately. We... When we lived that, in Mart- Martinsburg... Marshall, that's we, one of the funniest things I've ever said on Facebook, sadly enough. So. I know. Well... We, when I said, hey, we're at the Peking restaurant, which we used to live at. We used to be there three or four nights a week. We moved. It's too long a drive to drink and drive because we would never do that. That's not cool. Right. But we went one night, and uh, I was like, yeah, I checked in on Facebook via my phone, and it was hilarious because it said Chinese restaurant on the map picture on Facebook, and right beside of it was like Antietam, <laughs> Nas- Antietam <laughs> National Battlefield. So that was classic, Dave. That was classic. But no one appreciated. You gave me the courtesy. I did. I understood it once I looked in the map. I was like, what? Oh, yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> well, uh, I got some other stuff to talk about. I don't know if you guys have stuff that you want to talk about. I wanted to talk a little bit, and this will kind of play into what we've been talking about a little bit. Are we going to talk about what a war game is? No, no, dear God, Thank no. God. I want to talk about East Front 2. Mm. We played that live on Vassal, and now we're playing it uh, play by email. It's thirty pages of rules, which when I looked at it, I was thinking, "Man, that's you know, I that's about my limit." But it's thirty thirty pages of rules that are reiterated. Almost everything in there is in there at least twice, which is much appreciated. And it's the Columbia column system where there's two columns of rules, and then the third column is like flavor text or. You know, hey, remember to do this, or here's the the sequence of play, or whatever. That, which is a block game, compared to Guns of Gettysburg, which is also a war game, and it's 16 pages of rules. <laughs> yeah, but god, but goddamn, if not every single sentence in that rule book has to be memorized before you play that game. I'm playing that play by email, and bless his heart, the guy I'm playing with, almost every turn. Every file I sent him for the first day of the game, so the first 10 or 11 turns, I was fucking something up. Oh, you can't move here because you're in this guy's field of fire. Oh, you can't attack here because this is obstructed line of sight and you're not adjacent and yada, yada, yada. Make these games that we're playing play in a way that makes sense and give us rules that actually teach us how to play. Don't show us how smart you are. 
with your 16 pages of rules, densely worded in a way that, in, in an order that isn't logical. He makes a big deal about the movement. You do movement in a specific order, right? It's withdrawal movement, attack movement, reinforcement movement, march movement. And the acronym is WARM. Makes a big deal about that. So it's W-A-R-M. What game are you talking about? Guns of Gettysburg. Yeah, because that movement <laughs> rules were fucking stellar. Right, that's what I'm saying. So they make a big deal about that acronym, but then the first movement rule you read is about reinforcement. So why am I reading it out of order from what I'm supposed to be doing? Make it 30 pages of rules. Lay everything out in a way that makes sense. Say things twice that need to be said twice. And make it easy for me to play this fucking game. So I'm trying to set it up. Dave, do you remember from Consum World, uh, Rick? Yes. So Rick, Rick Dolly and I were talking, I don't know if he's on Board Game Geek. He's on Consum World. Yes, he he's on BGG. Is he? Yeah. I'll have to track him down and stalk him. Um, so we were emailing, cause I'm trying to set up a game of this face to face because I'm a little bit more better of a learner face to face. What he said was, I think, exactly summed up this game, that the reward for playing it doesn't justify the pain in the ass that it is to to learn it. It just... Why should it be so hard to play this game? I paid $70 for this game. It's about the battles of Gettysburg. I paid 35 Just throw that out there. NWS Online. Now nah, I sound like Dave! <laughs> Thanks for making me feel even worse. You got a, a Civil War bullet, which I got my backyard dig up. But That's true. I, I, yeah. I want to like this game. I should love this game. It's a pain in the ass. I I don't know after I finish up this, this Vassal game, if Rick and I can't hook up to play it, I might just put it on the shelf or try to get rid of it. I don't, I don't know that it's worth it. Why can't it be... I mean, East Front 2... This is what has, pisses me off. Two episodes ago... You talked me into buying it. No, I said I got it and it looks interesting and then you went and bought it. I didn't say, oh, Marshall, you would really enjoy this game or this is a great game because I hadn't played it yet. You were very convincing. (laughs) Well, maybe publishers need to take note of that and send me some shit because I'll talk it up and then I'll play and say, oh, on second thought. Yeah, don't send me anything because all my reviews are honest. I'm not bought and paid for Oh, no. Yeah. Exactly. I like that attitude. Yeah, I do like that attitude. But so I, I guess... Except I guess for Cards of Cthulhu, that's going to be the greatest game ever. Oh, Lord. I don't know. I, I, don't I, even I, know. I, guess, I guess what I'm saying is, the to me, it makes more sense to have complexity in gameplay and simplicity in rules rather than complexity in rules and just kind of blasé gameplay. Well, just... It was one of my question, my problems when I started playing the Musket and Pike Battle series, is they would say like, "Hey, a cavalry unit can intercept, except if the following nine things happen." Right. And I'm like, well, like <laughs> it'd be like, so they give like nine exceptions to when it can't happen, you know? And so it, it seems like a, sometimes it seems like a strange way of writing the rules, of wording it. Yeah. There's a lot of that where it's these these things can move. Except, yeah, and then, but it's not even in that same sentence or that same paragraph. It's two two pages later. It's you can't move if. Well, put put everything together in a way that makes sense. But 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 it's more visceral than that. Why do we buy war games? We buy war games because of the subject matter, 
mm-hmm. and are interested in correct the re- in that the re- period or whatever the reviews that we read from others. You mean why I mean, you make those choices? Yeah, I mean, but when you get down to it, you decide to buy a game. Like I decided to buy Guns of Gettysburg. I decided to buy, and a good example to Guns of Gettysburg to me would be Fields of Fire. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Fields of Fire is coming out. It looks great. I'll buy it as soon as it comes out. The rule book is a mess. Mm-hmm. And it's admittedly from the designer, a mess. So I've got an uncopy or an unplayed copy, which was lovingly, the cards were all sheathed and card protectors. The counters were all sprayed and clipped. I have hours into Fields of Fire printed the rules out so I wouldn't have to touch the original rules. You cannot play the game with the original rules. But you can know, cannot. And the, that the one thing ahead. I'll say is the one thing I'll say is with I use BGG a lot, so I I don't have an unlimited budget for war games, so I tend to uh check all reviews and make sure games are good. That's why I'm sometimes hesitant to buy like Kickstarter or or uh, P500 uh, for new titles because I like to read all the reviews before I'm going to pull the trigger on like a $50 purchase or a $70 purchase. I mean, I've, really, I've recently been agonizing over what kind of World War II strategic game I wanted to buy. And I think I read about 80 reviews before I decided to pull the trigger on it. You know. On what? What did you pull the trigger on? A World at War by TMT. So. I mean, I, I I don't know. I mean, you, it's money. It's hard-earned money. And then you get something, and it's terrible. And a good example of that would be, um, shit, what's that Ranella game that was point-to-point World War One? Not point-to-point, area movement World War One. Breakthrough at Cambrai. Oh my god. <laughs> That's the one I remember. Yeah, that game terrible. Ter- but I read good reviews on it. Mm-hmm. I love the area movement games, the you know, you go, I go. I love those type of games. Um Storm Over Stalingrad. Breakthrough well, so Normandy. I mean I think, all those and it's like uh this is I think most cool. of the games that are out now we're actually a pretty good time for wargaming. I mean, there's not many games that are terrible. Uh, yeah. Even the ones I don't like aren't worthless the way they used to be. You might get a game in, back in the day that was terrible. My thing is, when I'm looking at a war game, I want a game that models the way the battle was fought, the way the war was fought, with all the stuff that's involved. And uh, that way... If you input all the same things, like the same troops arrive at the same time, the uh, the same factors are involved, you get a historical result, and then you can kind of change some of the things. Like, let's say, what if Germany invaded Spain, or does that change things? You can see what happened differently based on how the inputs change. You know, like, hey, let's see if uh, let's fight Gettysburg. Does Gettysburg work normally with with the normal inputs? Okay, great. Now let's see what would happen if Stonewall Jackson was alive at Gettysburg. How would the battle be fun? For me, that's what's interesting. So, uh. When I was looking at World War II strategy, for me, I don't like the games where they just script you down the same pace that the war was going to be fought. You know, like, uh, okay, if you don't win Barbarossa's the Germans, the war's quickly going to end for you. I always like World in Flames because 
the game could go off the rails a little bit and you could get a different result. I don't want to fight World War II. I know how World War II turns out. Mm-hmm. I don't want victory to be as the Germans that I last for two more months than the way the Germans historically lasted. So I kind of liked the world at war because I, I, it felt like I could get maybe change things or do things differently and see how that kind of changed things. You know what I mean? So you like the political aspect? No, I don't like it. That doesn't make it a war game at all. No, I'm just joking. But uh, <laughs> no, my, my point is that I, I think that games, too many of these games script you down a certain path where with me I really like to see what, what could happen. I want to be able to change history. That's why I play war games. And so like a, a fantasy game or a sci-fi game doesn't interest me as much because there's no historical baseline to compare the game with. I want to see, hey, could I do better at Gettysburg than Lee did? You know what I mean? But but at the same time, you want to pre- be presented with the same the same situation because I know last month we were talking right. no, about given how, gu- how weird Guns right. of Gettysburg is. The, the 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 pleasure for me in a war game is given the same situation that Lee faces at Gettysburg. If I make different decisions, can I get a different result? Hmm. That's what I want to learn from a war. Game. So to test it, I have to do the same thing Lee did. If I get the same result, then I'm like, okay, so I think it's valid, and then I can change things. But unless you do a diceless system, dice is always going to be the wild card in this, correct? Mm-hmm. Like right. dice, dice are cards. I agree. Like Chamberlain on uh, Little Round Top. The guy rolled like double sixes like five times in a row. You know? <laughs> I mean, that guy was, that was some great die roll. That's, That's a good analogy. On, That's Chamberlain on Little Round Top. What can you do? You can't do anything about it. Oh, that's fascinating discussion. I mean, no, it really is. I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, mean, Marshall, Marshall, what do you get out of a war game? I mean, do you prefer historical war games over sci-fi or fantasy war games? Yes. Why? Because it really happened. Yeah, it really happened. So, what, what, what? what, So, the fact that it really happened, what is that? What is that? Why do you prefer that? I prefer it because. You know, you, it's 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 a baseline for you to work off of. Can you do better than that general did? Correct. That's exactly right. It's a baseline. The dice always changes that. You see what I'm saying? We'll never be in that situation. We'll but the never more rolls, the dice will even out. Well, maybe. I mean, how many times have you said, "Man, I really rolled shitty." You see what I'm saying? But. Will never be I think that was his excuse for your guys' no question of surrender. No, that was, that was my excuse. <laughs> I mean, I helped. I helped. But, I mean, that's one of the... I mean, we get as close as we can. We get as close as we can. But, Marshall, when you play a historical war game, don't you kind of say, like, Lee, say you're going to play the Confederates at Gettysburg. You're like, I want to win this battle. Right. Right? That's your goal. You don't want to say, on the third day, I'm going to do Pickett's Charge. Mm-hmm. But, but, but do yeah. you have, do you have, uh, dysentery? Do you have diarrhea Absolutely. when you're playing the game? Right. Do you see what I'm saying? If Lee wasn't sick at Gettysburg, how does Gettysburg end? No, it's true. Or Napoleon at Waterloo. Napoleon it's, wasn't 100%. Correct. If Lee, if Napoleon wasn't sick at Waterloo, how does Waterloo really end? We make, we make Wellington a great general. How much was Wellington a great general? How much was Napoleon sick? How much was Meade a great general? How much was Lee sick? Right, so my my point, Marshall, is you wouldn't want to play a historical war game 
that basically just scripted you down the same path that the, the battle went, that forced you to make all the same decisions at Gettysburg that Lee made. You want to make your decisions. Yeah, but hindsight's twenty twenty, Dave. I know, I wanna, I'm, play the game. I'm gonna make the best. Well, you're gonna help me <laughs> make the <best laughs> mathematical decision that's in my favor. It all comes down to math. I hate math, but I love the organicness of. I'm gonna move this guy here. I love doing what's not expected in right. a war game. I love doing what's what anything to fuck you up or throw you off. Or let's say Hood doesn't get shot on the the second day of Gettysburg, so Hood leads the attack. So maybe that changes things. But Hood did get shot. Right. But the change is, when you play the game, maybe there's no casualty. Maybe he passes his casualty check. And then you get to see what would have happened differently. That's the magic of historical war games. That's true. You're right. You're right. But if the rules aren't written right, see how I'm tying all this together? That's right. Give Marshall a star on his chart. Uh, if the rules aren't written right, you can't ever get there anyway. No, I agree. Yes. And, and the rules shouldn't be an obstacle. Like I, I agree with uh, Jason. I think East Front 2 is uh, a great set of rules. That's yeah, some of my favorite rules. Really, really smooth. And there's little things. When I'm playing, so Jason's watching me invade Russia as the Soviets. And he's like, oh, this is fucking hurts. So, but at some point, my armor's coming down, and he sees them go south instead of just going across the river. And the reason is I have to take Cherkasy because I need the rail line to keep my guys supplied. So I have all these decisions I have to make based on the game system, but the, the game system never gets in the way of the decision. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and that's what it should be. So Jason might be like, why did that armor unit only move two hexes instead of three? Why is it sitting on Cherkasy? Because if I leave that hex unguarded, you can lunge forward and put all my exploiting armor out of supply. Is that I'm glad you guys agree with that. Did me. I just hijack that conversation. No, I think I, I, I said my piece. You guys, but, I, but I agree with you, Jason. I think the problem with those rules is it's for some reason the guy wanted to condense them, and it sounds like they were condensed, so they're not they're not easily understandable. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I read a lot about Napoleon's triumph, and uh, I know what you're talking about. The other one, Bo- Bonaparte and Marengo. Is that, is that it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Jason, when you were in the military. Were you the platoon leader's driver? No. You were never chosen to be the platoon leader's driver? No, I was a machine gunner, so I was in the back of the truck. Did, so they never made you a driver for anybody? Mm, officer. I might have driven. Yeah, I, I tried not to associate with officers. The smart guys get chosen I, I still officer's try not. driver. Because you're going to end up sitting with this guy in a, in a Humvee for like months at a time. Mm-hmm. So the officers always choose. You're, my point is, you're a smart guy. If you can't figure out the rules from a quick reading, that's a failure for the game. Yeah, and I've read the rules three times now, and I have a little nice little chart. It's something about it. It's just, it's just not for me. Which, yeah, it's a shame because it seems like it's a, it's got a, like an elegance to it. Yeah. But, so you want to yeah. love it, but you can't. I do. I really, really do, and I just. I want to just put it on my shelf and be done with it, which is a shame. See, I'm, uh, I mean, it's a beautiful game, mountain map. I'm, blocks I'm sorry lines. for convincing you to buy it, even though I didn't try to. No, that's what we really needed to hear, Jason. Yeah, I think that's, that's what, what we needed to hear. That's what I needed to hear. A I, fucking, apology. I fucking bought it. <laughs> M- Marshall, 
I'm sorry. Apology. Marshall, by the way, came off you for 20 bucks. Yeah, I know he will. It can go down there and set with all the other unopened games. Although I opened it and lovingly took care of it, so. Well, I got a couple things I wanted to talk about too. I didn't know. Jason, you got anything else you wanted to chat about? We can talk about train games instead of gypsies for a while if you guys want to. <laughs> we can talk about more Academy games. I can't wait to hear. No, I did have a question. I just noticed this when I was doing my pre-orders. Mm-hmm. Did you notice, does GMT require your CVV2 code on your credit card when you well, do a pre-order? I think, so. I think so. I thought you couldn't retain that information. I thought, according to like Visa, you're not allowed to store that type of information. The security card hmm. code on your credit card is supposed to be like used only for a transaction and not maintained by the uh, retailer. Well, well, I'm 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 biting my tongue right now, um, so I'm just gonna step out of this conversation. Well, I I will tell you, oh, I can't divulge too much information because I I emailed them back in the day when I was doing it. I said, how can you guys retain my my security code on a pre-order? And uh, they no act me. They just refused to respond to my email. Maybe that's how. <laughs> I love that shit. As a retailer and a poor one at that, I shouldn't be admitting this. Uh, when we store people's credit cards for future purchases, we mm-hmm. keep the CRV code. Yeah, I don't think you're allowed to do that. What do you mean? I, I think that code is not something that's supposed to be retained by the retailer. Really? And I don't want to jam up the whole pre-order process, but I think uh, that's why when you order a pre-order through NWS Online, they actually charge your card right away because I don't think they're allowed to retain uh. that. And from my understanding, I'm not a I'm an expert, and so don't again, people, please do your own research. But it's my impression that uh, they're not supposed to retain it; they're supposed to use the code for that transaction, hmm. and then. They're, they're allowed to keep your credit card on file, but sometimes retailers get different deals with their uh, different percentages with the credit card companies. You do. If they have a code, it's supposed to not. Yes. Um, the more information you can type in, mm-hmm. I know this for a fact with a, from a retailer standpoint, right. the, more, the more information you type in, address, zip code, customer number, the CRV code, the more right. information you type in when you're keying the transaction – from not a physical credit card, right. you you don't pay a highest fee. Right, the, they charge you a lower fee. That's correct. Lower I'm fee. not I'm not sure about the legalities of keeping the three digit code though. But we it's, we yeah. we require it. We hypothetically we require it. Well, I wonder if maybe they're just authentic authenticating the account when you enter it, and then they're not holding it. But if your card number doesn't change, then they don't worry about it. Oh, so maybe they I don't use know. the code on the transaction? Maybe, yeah. Seems weird. It, no. Yeah. Okay. I'm just saying, I have a little experience with credit cards, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it seemed odd to me that on a pre-order I was being asked for my security code, so, like, why are you maintaining that? I didn't understand why they would do that. So that's illegal? I don't know that that's illegal. I would never say that that's illegal. I'm just saying I think it's unusual, and I encourage people to research do their own research on the internet as to whether that should be something they do. Because once you give your CVV2 code to somebody and they're going to record it and they're not erasing it for that particular transaction that immediately occurred, they're, they're storing it, theoretically, and 
when if someone were to hack in or an employee were to steal your CVV2 code, they can go make orders as if they had the credit card in their possession, like getting airplane flights, airplane tickets, travel arrangements, stuff like that. Normally, if you're going to book a flight with an airline, if you don't put in the CVV2 code, you have to prove who you are when you walk into the terminal. So uh, that's that's hmm. that's interesting. It kind of flags the purchase, but. Well, why would you pre-order anything when you can get it cheaper when it comes out on online game stores, which we're not going to mention? Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I don't, I don't do a lot. I did, I did pre-order a World of War. I have to admit that I did do that. It seems like the least, but they were charging when I pre-ordered. Did you get it yet? No, of course. I'm just sitting around waiting for games to show up. I'm waiting on like three games. What games are you waiting on? I'm waiting on a World at War. I'm waiting on a 1775, and then that uh, that Gettysburg game from MMP. That's not it made the cut, but it's not even close to being. Oh, I have the uh, the first in that series, right? The Antietam Last Chance for Victory. No, well, I have the Antietam game, which is None But Heroes, right? Mine is mine is Last Chance for Victory. Hey, is the Pekin Chinese restaurant on the map? For that, oh. <laughs> no, it's a little. It's like twenty miles too far away to be on the. Map. I'll tell you what, Marshall. If I ever visit you, we're going to that restaurant. Oh, I know that shit. That's the greatest place ever. Kane's the best bartender in the history of bartenders. And General Lee ate there, so. Oh, he did. Yeah, he loved the egg rolls. Uh, beef on a stick. Anyway, what what else you been doing, Dave? Well, I got. Uh, I wanted to talk real quick, uh, and I know I always say that. But uh, uh, I want to talk about OCS. Do you guys mind if I talk about OCS real quick, the Operational Combat Series? Please do, especially if it's about the Blitzkrieg legend. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to talk about the series in general. Um, I have the Blitzkrieg legend. I have almost all the titles. I haven't played a lot of them. I played DAC 2, and uh, I played a Case Blue some. So, Do you have DAC 2? I do. Do you have Case Blue? I do. Fuck you. I have Burma. I have Next War Korea. I have Tunisia. I have uh, Guderian's Blitzkrieg 2. Oh! Marshall, which ones do you have? Case Blue. I have none. Wow, so I've outstripped the Museum of Natural Wargaming. I have Case Blue. Unopened, still in shrink, by the way. So, yeah, the reason I'm mentioning it is because I think uh, OCS is a great system, and it, it can be a little intimidating to people who may be new gamers because you're thinking, like, uh, you see Case Blue or you see Guderian's Blitzkrieg set up, and you're like, oh, that's which, like a hardcore. Which could right. be linked up together, correct? Right, yeah, you see them together. And there's still a third one that can be, there. eventually there'll be a third one to do the whole Eastern Front, right? Maybe. I don't know enough to talk about that. There uh, is, there, there will be eventually, from the way I understand it, but you'll need like a warehouse to set that fucking game up. Or a convention in Tempe. Right. Which we go to. Soon to be Which, in the, the Advanced After make. Combat Con. <laughs> that would be awesome. My so, money's going to Jamaica. Oh hey, I, I wanted to say one thing real quick too. Uh, uh, speaking about Advanced After Combat, we got a guild, uh, Participate on that. If you guys listen, you like like the podcast, feel free to join. We got stuff going on. Like uh, I mentioned, Labyrinth. A bunch of us from the guild are getting on doing Andean uh, Andean Abyss. Can I sign up mm-hmm. for that and just be a dick? 
Yes. Yeah, we won't Skype you in, but you can type stuff. Okay, I can. I think, what? Yeah, I think. I think the game. No, you can Skype. <laughs> but yeah, so basically, a bunch of guys are getting together. It's it's kind of a way for all of us to get together in Basel and play some of these multiple player games. So we'll see how that works. I didn't join because I didn't. I didn't want an unfair advantage. And, and I will. I will say this: everyone is welcome. We we talk to our to our fans. We're very gracious. I don't want to say. I don't want to make. We're we're just like you. Let's call them listeners, not fans. Okay, we're just. If you send us free shit, we're just like you. <laughs> Jason, actually, we might need you because you, Lucas has barely read the rules. So I think he's. I think he just got the game. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna try to Skype in. You could be the Yoda. Just get on. This one. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So. Uh, so yeah, that's the deal with the guild. So when I'm looking at OCS, I think it's an intimidating system. You see these guys playing these giant games, and you're thinking, uh, "There's no way I can. I'm not going to sit down and play some game that, that's like six tabletops." And but when you actually look at the game, I gotta. I gotta say, I think it's very. Uh, easy for new gamers to get a hang of it if they would actually just uh, check it out because it's in its fourth fourth or fifth or sixth version it's 4.1 now and the rules are very easy to read through and learn and it's it, you know they've they've made so many adjustments that I think it's not as difficult to uh, pick up on as new gamers might think um, the two things that are going to really surprise people with the game the first is obviously the supply system because you're looking at the board and you're like there's supply points and trucks and depots and wagons and the system is actually not as complicated as it looks in the game. The general idea is that to fight combat or to uh, move motorized vehicles and and uh, and do activities like that, you need supply. So you need supply to fuel tanks. You need supply to fight in combat. If you don't have it available, you can use internal stocks on units. But you see all these supply points laying around, it looks like it's going to be very complicated. But the basic idea of it is a unit can pull supply from uh, a supply location that's five plus one hexes away from it. So five and then the adjacent hex. Uh, headquarters can throw supply out to you. So if you have a headquarters that's like a 10-0, it can draw supply from a supply depot, and then it can throw supply points 10 hexes to, to all the guys around it. So uh, that's basically how you do direct draw. The other type of supply is called trace supply, and that means that basically you have to be near a uh, railhead so your guys can get their basic supplies, like food and things that will keep them from uh, withering away as units. But even if you might be pocketed or surrounded by your opponents, you can actually have supply inside your pocket with, that you can eat off. You're basically eating supply off the map. So I think the supply system... Uh, looks confusing to people because they're like, oh, geez, you got trucks that have to drive back and forth and they're carrying supply. But, I mean, the trucks move just like regular units. They're moving supply around. Uh, it, it's Once you get the hang of it, it, it's actually a very fun system, and you'll start to enjoy like where you're going to set up your supply depots and how all that stuff's going to work. The other thing that's interesting about OCS, and this is, I'm giving you a really quick view, is combat. So units are rated for their combat ability, their movement, and then they have like basically like a quality, like I think it's called, I don't remember if it's efficiency or or whatever, but it's a quality rating, and uh, higher is better. So you you figure out a unit's attacking another unit, maybe it's two to one on the tables, you then roll for surprise, 
and you add the difference between the quality of the two units. So if one unit's a five, and an Italian, like a British armor unit's a five, and an Italian infantry division's a one, you're adding a four. And surprise, if you get it, like it might be like a, maybe you need a nine or a ten on 2d6. You then shift the chart all the way that many columns. So you might go from a two to one to an eight to one or a nine to one, depending on what kind of results you get on your surprise. And then when you roll the actual combat, when you roll 2d6 on the, the new new column you're using, you're also going to add that that quality difference to your die roll. So it's a combat system that really favors uh, experience, quality, and training for attacking units or defending units. So like an Ital- you might have a big, giant Italian unit that's trying to fight a small, high-quality British unit, and it's going to have a tough time because it can't get surprised, it might get ambushed, and then even when it rolls, it has to deduct the difference in the quality from the roll. So, highly recommend it. Is it a real battle? They're all real battles. They don't get any realer. Jason, have you played OCS at all? <laughs> no, and I've I've looked into it a little bit, but it's, I don't know, it's a little bit more than what I'm looking for usually. Was that, is that explanation helpful, or was that, that I've had like seven beers, so I'm not sure if that... <laughs> has any... It is. Has it, I just don't know that it's my bad. Has anybody played SCS? I'm not as into that too. I've never experimented with that one. I enjoy it. It's it's really simple, and everything kind of turns into a grind fest. It seems. Is, is that like attacker rating, defender rating, movement? Yeah, it's pretty simple. It's yeah. obviously standard combat series. So, I mean, is that basically how it works? You have an attacker rating, a defender rating, and then a movement rating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty pretty standard stuff. Well, I think OCS is great. They're coming out with, uh, I think, reluctant enemies which might be a great starter game. I also think Baltic Gap is probably good for guys who want to get a feel for the game without buying Case Blue. or uh, Dak 2, I think, is the best game in the series because the unit density isn't too bad. It's uh, pretty light, and you still have a lot, a lot of stuff going on, but, you know, it's but, hard to get. But, yeah, realistically, you'd have to play Dak 2 on Vassal, correct? I mean, you're not going to buy Dak 2. They've got some small, all the games have some small scenarios, like even Case Blue has a, has a, a, a fight in the Crimea that you can try that's a fun smaller scenario. So they, they include some small scenarios in to fight. But, so basically I'm just putting it out there, uh, I know guys who are getting into wargaming, uh, buy OCS game, buy an OCS game, check it out. The rules are on <laughs> read it and you're gonna be like, wow, it's really a cool system. One of the complaints about the, the game has been, that the uh, multi-unit formations are kind of like the celebrities of the game and the infantry divisions are neglected to a large extent. This is one of these types of games where just because you have 10 artillery units behind your front lines, you might not fire them because you don't want to burn that much supply to shoot all those guys. So you're constantly having to make supply decisions. Do I fuel this tank unit or do I fire this artillery unit? So just because you have 20 artillery units in OCS doesn't mean you fire all 20 of them at the enemy. You might not be able to afford that supply. But, but I think, well, I think you keep, you make an excellent point. That game series based what it sounds to me, and I'm not super experienced with it. Supply, 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 right. supply. Right. You, you, and you know, you know why that's important because, I, you know, I was an officer in the army and I gotta say like, uh, I knew a lot about military history. Most officers that I worked with didn't know anything about military history. They were technical. So guys knew how to supply the trucks, how to supply the weapon systems, how to kind of run the platoon. They knew, uh, 
They knew the ranges of things, how to get there and coordinate, do navigation. So, you know, war gamers tend to be more uh, tactically oriented. They understand the military history. I was always shocked by when I was around my peers how little they knew about military history because they were kind of technicians. They knew how to get a, a platoon of troops to a certain location and participate in an attack. But sometimes, like, we'd be doing a battalion exercise and I'd be like, all right, we're just going to go straight ahead and attack them, okay? Okay. All right. <laughs> it's like there was no flanking maneuvers or, I mean, basically U.S. military stuff is, uh, support unit pins, uh, assault unit flanks. You know, I mean, that's pretty standard, I think, for the U.S. So the, the, and that just shows that the real officers to a large extent, and there were some exceptions, are focused on supplies, logistics, technical knowledge, as opposed to we're going to make this sweeping move around the back of Rostov. You know, that's just... So I think OCS actually hits on a lot of the things that I think are truer to what it really was to be a military person. Yeah, but it sounds like with all that supply, you're getting very dangerously close to political influence. No, not at all. No, of course not. I was I was thinking the same thing. Does that make sense, guys? I don't know if that makes sense. I mean, kind of. All right. I've read the rules, and it sounds like a lot of supply issues to me. I started to glaze over, and, uh, you know, not not saying this is king or anything, but, you know, an advanced squad leader, we really don't worry about supply. Well, because you don't have to worry about the guys. That's a different level. Because the scale's small. Well, I understand that, but I'm just saying, why would I worry about whether you get fed or not? I don't give a shit. I want you to shoot some motherfucker. So, Marshall, what's, what's your favorite scale? Would you say it's tactical? Yeah. What about you, Dave? I, I think I like... Uh, I, one of the reasons I like GTS is I think that kind of grand tactical scale is what I like. Big, big... But tactical. I'll go either way. I'll go up and down from that. Yeah, I would have to go tactical. Strategic's not really... I mean, that's what I cut my teeth on, strategic, but I would much rather focus on the battle than worry about how you get fed. I don't really give a shit. And, and one thing, before, like, I get people who start complaining about, like, I'm saying that Army officers don't know anything about tactics, I'm not saying, okay? <laughs> what I'm saying is, I could be in a room of 20 guys, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, like, uh, Jackson's surprise attack on the flank of Chancellorsville, and, like, one of those guys might know what the hell I was talking about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they just don't, they they had some education, but they just, they're not war gamers. Some war gamers would be like, oh, if I had commanded this division, I would, yeah, but you would never even be there because you're too fat. You can't keep up with the guys. <laughs> uh, you got to be physically fit. You know what I mean? It's like, there's so many more skills required to be an actual military leader other than knowing, having some genius and operational knowledge that, yeah, I think those, the actual genius sometimes gets uh, put aside. Can we talk about current events? Yeah. What do you want to talk about? Syria. Yeah. Oh, wow. Hey, I'm going to go get a beer. So. Yeah, me too. Let's all go get beers. Hey, Paul's, Jason. Jason, yeah. Jason Paul's that are talk about whatever you want. Talk about we how some... cool it is to be a hipster and that Tommy <laughs> DeDuke Morrison died of AIDS finally. And Jason's going to talk about Syria for 10 minutes. I don't know. I don't know who that is. And I don't read news. My wife told me. Oh, about of Syria. course, because you're I'll, a fucking. I'll find out in. Tw- I'll find out in twenty years when I read the book. Let me about tell you it. something, Jason. This shit is not gonna fly. This shit of oh, I don't read the news. You know what? This aggression will not stand. This aggression will not stand. This is fucking <laughs> bullshit. This oh, I don't know anything about that. I I I don't. I 
pay no attention to anything. So now you're I getting around to wearing Lance Armstrong Livestrong bracelets? That's about where you're... <laughs> yeah, I'm about 12 years old. Yeah, is that where you're <laughs> right now? So let me get this correct. Right now you're wearing Lance Armstrong Livestrong bracelets because there's a man we can all look up to, right? Somebody that's <laughs> honest, hardworking, good American, doesn't cheat. Like everybody else fuck cheating, but they don't cheat, right? I, I am wearing a car war shirt. A what? A car wars? From the old uh, Commodore 64 days? No, from the Steve Jackson game. Oh, do you have that? Nope. Dave's calling when you talk about whatever fuck we want. You want to talk about Euros or Ramp? Not, oh, yeah, what else have you been playing? Ramp, I haven't played nothing, but I got a hard on for Ramp. I've been playing my uh, 8-bit Nintendo. Nice. Because the uh, Wii U just came out of that DuckTales game. Mm-hmm. Oh, that game was fucking awesome. No, we, we, we haven't bought the Wii U yet. I pre-ordered the uh, Zelda Wii U or whatever. We gotta hurry this up because Dave's gonna come in. So anyway, I saw they released the DuckTales game. I've got the Zelda Wind Waker, which I didn't like, but Super Davio needed Wii U Wind Waker on order. So I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna put the the 8-bit. The, I have a top-loading Nintendo, which is worth a lot of mm-hmm. money. Um, well, I'm not saying it because it's worth a lot of money. I'm saying it because I got no, I, it. I bought, I, get it. I bought it. I got it for Father's Day when it was new. Anyway, because I had all those. We were poor, and all I had was 8-bit games. I was buying at the pawn shop. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I had to have that. It was $50. We didn't have it at the time. But I bought it. I still got it. It's worth like a shitload. So, like, I got out DuckTales. I've been playing DuckTales, Contra, Gradius, oh, and RC Pro. I love again. Down, down, down. Oh, oh, I hated that game. Oh, I love fucking RC Prime. So, like, the last three days, that's all I've been fucking playing is those things. There's no wonder there's a Konami code, because you fucking need it. The yeah. Contra and fucking Gradius are so fucking hard. It's like, Jesus fucking Christ, I'm like 30 lives in, I'm on, like, the third level. Mm-hmm. It's constantly uh, like the little guy that runs back and forth and shoots everybody. Yeah, that's yes. a war game. We're talking about war games. I can't <laughs> now. You all talk amongst yourself. And Jason's could tell us about what it's like being a hipster living 50 years in the fucking past. <laughs> I don't identify as a hipster, so I can't talk about that. So, Jason, you getting your uh, best hipster shirt ready for the uh, Constant World competition? It'll probably be the same ones I wore last year. Yeah, I didn't want to, I couldn't break Lucas's heart and tell him that the uh, uh, USA back-to-back World Champ, World War Champs t-shirt wasn't going to be a winner since that's practically how <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a, a timeless shirt. Yeah, that's a popular one. So, so did you want to talk about Syria for real? I don't want to talk about it at all. Okay, good. I, yeah, Marshall brought it up and then tried to put it on me and I have no idea. Yeah, I don't think Marshall knows what to say about it either. My wife told me that there was definitely gas used and that we're probably going to invade, but no one has our back. Well, I saw some article recently, too, where they were saying that uh, it might have been accidentally released by the Arabs or the Arab Mm -hmm. rebels. I don't care, really. Yeah. Yeah. So so what do you think? We we did that East Front game. I kind of let you do through the the playtest one. And now you got to see how the uh, like a more aggressive blitz works. How it's supposed to work? Yeah. So what do you what do you think about like, kind of how the game system? How does it feel as a Soviet's like faced with a bunch of black blocks coming at you? Yeah, it's tough. You can have some big stacks coming in, but I don't know. I'm curious to see how winter plays out. 
Yeah, I think it's interesting. I'm going to be down to, I think, two two or three headquarters by the time that comes around. Yeah, I mean, in the game I'm playing against Braxton, like I said, I got to Moscow. I have literally one combat value panzer unit sitting in Moscow. He's got four cadres facing me, and I think my headquarters are like at a one and a zero. So it's not looking good for me. All right, what are we talking about? Oh, we finished up on that whole Syria topic. Uh, Jason really, he really nailed it. it no, there's no fucking doubt because Jason, according to Jason's hipster lifestyle, by root just got bombed. So he don't fucking know about that. What are we talking about now? I don't know. You got any? You got any uh, Marshall stories to tell? Oh, I've got great stories, but I don't think this is the format for that. Not if you're going to make the Martinsburg Police Department a friend of the Advanced After Combat Facebook page. Oh, what? You don't want them? They shoot motherfuckers up there. Yeah. <laughs> They're in it. Martinsburg Police Department's a, a fucking huge lawsuit. Did they like us? <laughs> I'm saying that, that's my point. You don't want to tell any stories that are going to make them start watching our Facebook page. They just shot this dude 28 times. Because he pulled a knife. They're in big trouble. Well, there you go. There you go. All right. Um, anybody looking forward to buying anything? I'm gonna try not to. Although I just got I just got charged for uh, CNC Ancients expansion number one reprint. Wow. And you're all over the place, Jason. Yeah, I've had, yeah. had that for years, Jason. Well, yeah, and it's a hundred dollars now to buy, but they just reprinted it. Shit! So I get it, got in on that. Shit! I yep. sold it. Too late. That's it for me, though. I think. Yeah. I'm gonna try to play Forgotten Heroes next month. I'm gonna pl- try to play Storm over Stalingrad. <gasps> I can't wait to talk about that game. I can't wait to talk about that game. And D-Day at Omaha Beach. I'm gonna play that some more. That's a solitaire yeah. one. Yeah, I think that's probably my favorite solitaire. Yeah, that's great. Storms of Stalingrad. Storm Hold on to that, that sniper card. Otherwise, your son will make a fool of you. Uh, okay, <laughs> don't don't play that game with a mass genius. <laughs> Super Davy and I played that one night. So like, I went out to smoke or get a beer or something. He was like, I came back in. He's like, it was two turns from then. He's like, mathematically, uh, you can't win this game. I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm making funny, Marshall, because you you told us that one. I know. It's like, who the fuck wants to play that shit? Nobody. I don't want to. You? Well, I don't want to play games like that. I don't, although I've I've come to that position in a couple games where I, as the defense or I guess even as the attacker, it comes to the last turn and mathematically you know that you can't win, so it doesn't make sense to even bother playing it out. Yeah, but give me the hope that I can win. I mean, I just I. I I usually just say it. If if I can't win, I say mathematically I can't. And I had one. I was actually playing with uh, my buddy Matt. We were playing Sakiahara, and he looked at it was the last turn, and it was his last activation. And he he said he said I don't think I can win. I don't think I can get this. I said well let's let's play it out because I knew that there was a possibility. And it turned out that if if I had said okay yeah let's it just ended I would have won, but he ended up eking me out by one. Yeah, but but when you're reading the rules for the card manifest, mm. and you're counting cards. You said I know yeah, I know no. you've already played X card. You can't win. 
I mean, yeah, I to me, that. that's not playing the game. To me, that's logically mathematizing the situation. I don't want to play. This, look, I love this mathematizing verb. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to play a fucking math problem. I love that game, but that playthrough almost ruined it for me. So, so Marshall, you want dice? No, no. There's dice in that game. I didn't say I want dice. But I don't want to play with somebody that's like two turns ahead. Mathematically, you can't win because you don't, because I've read, I've, I, you know, this is coming from somebody that I'm teaching the rules to. He doesn't know the rules, but I go out to smoke. He grabs the rule book and is like, yeah, mathematically, you can't win. I don't want that letdown. I want, I want to, unless it's blatantly obvious on the board, I want to hang on every dice roll on every card play on every movement factor i don't want somebody to say yeah mathematically i've ran the numbers because i'm a fucking math genius and uh there's no chance of you winning that to me is not fucking fun let's play the fucking game you know what i mean i agree let's not let's not devolve this into a fucking word problem because that pisses me off or do you mean let's not mathematize this then mm-hmm. yeah are you buying anything next month, Marshall? Uh, I don't know. I'm going away next month. Oh yeah. We I got. Big. You gonna get? You gonna get your hair braided? Get my hair braided. Oh yeah, that's what they put do some, out there. Put some beads in it. Be all sunburnt and shit. All the girls, oh, no. girls going to want to put some beads. Uh, ah, 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 David. Damn it! Now I gotta edit. Gotta edit that out. I was just thinking, man, we're doing so well. <laughs> She's a professional. <laughs> I'm a professional. I'm vice president of my company. Oh, yeah, I'm vice president. Kev Short wants us to mention Emmanuel Sandra Drea and a uh, kind word about blocks in the West. Kev Sharp and the big board's been whoring out blocks in the West. He has been. For fucking months now. And he emailed me. He was like, you can get this for $38. I'm like, I'm not fucking buying that shit. It looks gay. But he, he must have got a free copy. That's all I'm saying. But he told me, he's like, East Front 2 is boring. This is the game. Blocks in the West, much better. It looked like the Russian campaign with blocks. I'm like, no thanks. I, that don't even look like something I'd be interested in. Now, Kev is Let's a great guy. Free games. I'm going to get upset. I love Kev. I like Kev. I love, I love Kev. Not saying nothing bad about Kev. I'm he loves just saying- lock and load. Loves the blocks in the wherever. West or East. Doesn't matter. I think he's getting paid. Uh, by blocks in the West, like you're getting paid by Academy Games, Dave. I'm <laughs> he's nothing. So you're saying he's getting nothing for it? I don't know. He just uh, he's pimping it awful hard. No, we love Kev. He's a good guy. But no, to answer your question, Jason, I will not burn. We've been tanning. I've been tanning. Hey, keep wargaming. Keep thinking about it. Keep doing what you're doing. If it's shitty rules, say it's shitty rules. Alright? If they send you the game for free, tell them honestly it sucks. If you listen to your favorite Wargame podcast, Advance After Podcast, and one of the hosts tells you to buy guns uh, over Gettysburg, and you buy it and it sucks, you need to call them out on it. Don't mean you don't love them, just means that's the truth. Bicycle.
Visit us at http colon slash slash bardgamegeek.com slash guild slash one six six zero or contact us at advance after combat at gmail.com. I have my finger on the pot. Oh, good job. <laughs>